Believe Review Project was our last best hope for news. A self-contained podcast two hours long, located in neutral territory. A place of nonsense and innuendo for forum dads, community members, and developers. A shining beacon in space. All alone on a Tuesday night. It was the dawn of the third chapter of Elite. The year Space Lakes came upon us all. This is the story of the last of the Ladian stations. The year is 3307. The name of the place? Leave Radio. Commanders, and welcome to episode 325 of Lave Radio, the show that likes to talk about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Phoenix Defire, um, otherwise known as Colin Ford, Chief Archivist of Lave Station, and joining me in the orange sidewinder bar for this episode, we have uh, Commander Shan, our Inhuman Resources Director. Hello. We also have our Deputy Trade Attaché, Commander Souverine. What up? It's slightly half pitch higher than last week. Congratulations. Kind of belt. Yeah. <laughs> and the head of health and safety, uh, Commander Edelweiss, otherwise known as Ben Mosswoodward. What up? <laughs> Uh, we, um, we also have to thank uh, Commander Ventura, welcome him back on tech. Hello. Hello. Now, if you wish, you can join us live. Ben, I do believe you're hanging out in game somewhere. Yeah, I am currently lurking in Lave. You're lurking in Lave. Well done. But if you can't get to us in game, you can join the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through laveradio.com slash live and click on the live chat. Or go straight to twitch.tv slash laveradio or laveradio on YouTube or laveradio on Facebook and laveradio on, on MySpace. and. Bebo. No, I don't think we'd... Bebo, is that the other one? We're on yeah. Alta Vista. Alta Vista. <laughs> Colin, I think you should do a TikTok dance as well for Lave Radio. Oh, we need a, we need a Lave Radio TikTok dance. Right. You, okay. you and Ben should TikTok dance. Oh, God, the, the, the horror. The horror that's going through my mind right at this moment in time. So quickly to get away from such mental imagery. Um, I'm just going to quick go around the team, see how they've been for the last week. So, Souverine. Uh, I have been fine. I have nothing to report whatsoever at all. I've been in cryosleep. <laughs> cryosleep, fair enough. Okay. Um, Commander Shan. Oh, let me see what I've been doing. I've been mm. taking uh, Commander Shanigans. Uh, on to Beagle Point again. So they were docked at Colonia at the end of uh, Distant Worlds. And so I'm taking them back to uh, Beagle Point. 
So just take it easy because I've got plenty of time to get there before Odyssey comes out. And in the real world, I have been doing lots of math for and because calculating the and finalizing the design of my solar battery array, which should be up by the end of February. So that's all quite uh, all quite fun. I've worked out I should be able to run the house on battery power for nine and a half hours a day. And when it's daylight, that should add another three or four hours to that total, if not more. So I should only be running on grid power for uh, four hours a day. Well, that sounds quite good. So I'm going green. Well, not, I'm saving money through generating my own power. The only thing wrong is where I currently live is not really a great apocalypse house because it's quite near main roads and stuff. Ideally, I'd want to be in the middle of Devon or somewhere like that with lots of hills around it and have a big solar array there so I don't need a grid at all. But, uh, Are you anticipating the apocalypse? I thought we were living through it, weren't we? <laughs> Good answer. Mm. Are you a prepper? I wish I was. If, if I mean the the, the mini shans um, would would love me to be a doomsday prepper, um, probably because they could they could probably lay their hands on lots of fun prep like things if the balloon really did go up. And horses um, are awesome for preppers. Emergency sorry? bugles and the like. Horses are awesome for prepper for preppers. They're delicious. They are actually. They're, they're a good source of food. They're a great source of transportation. You know, honestly, can't think of anything better. Well, they, yes, that's right. Horses are very good because they don't need diesel or anything like that. Although, you see, having a, having an EV now, I can use the solar power to charge the EV. So, yeah, it would be... Um, yes, yeah, I must I, admit, I, they did taste quite nice in those Finder's uh, spag balls, didn't they? No, it was <laughs> Ikea meatballs, wasn't it? It was Ikea meatballs as well. Tesco sausages are awesome too. <laughs> ben, have you finished grinding your beans? My 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 beans are ground. Real life has been very very busy. Not really a lot of fun. Just very very busy. In game, I'm basically, I've been I've been playing Cyberpunk as I think I've mentioned now for a couple good, basically since the beginning of January, I guess. Mm. Um, and yeah, I'm basically I'm I'm getting towards the end of the main story, but I've been like doing all of the side missions and everything like that too. Because that's the way I always play these open world games. I, I make sure I get every single side mission done before I move on. Um, so it's been cyberpunking, minecrafting, spotable eating. That's really about it as far as games go. Right. Okay. Well, um, I've been doing quite a bit of eating with my main account for a change. And um, also a little bit of um, mucking about in No Man's Sky VR which uh, I've got into quite quite a lot recently. So much so, I, I'm, yeah, I got surprised uh, the this this week um, because basically it just started off a new game, still trying to get the hang of it, uh, walking around, and then all of a sudden the ground rumbles near you. And then for, I forgot that they'd put this in approximately... I don't know, 10 meters away from me, one of these huge sort of sandworm things jumps out, goes right over the top of my head. And these things are absolutely massive. And I must admit, that caused me to have to run to the loo quite quickly. So, you see, Colin, I think we, if you remember what we said in Discord about that, uh, I think there's an important science to do regarding that. 
Um, yes, there's no way in hell I'm going to be testing um, alien isolation to see if my heart can take it. No, definitely not. <laughs> I think we should know because, you know, warning alien isolation can kill is a really good marketing slogan for Creative Assembly because then people would rush out to buy it to see if they were fit enough to play it. I, I'm not, I don't want to be the test bed for that. Thank you very much. Just to, just to let you know. So, I would. Uh, <laughs> was, was, yeah, I'm not putting putting my life on, on the line. Not anymore. Anyway, enough of that. So, uh, we've had quite a slew of development news happen this week. Um, obviously, the first point, I think we've got to touch on it because it is the big elephant in the room. Odyssey has been delayed. Um. The too long didn't read version is that we look to be getting an alpha early spring 2021 for the PC only. The PC release was is slated for late spring 2021, and the console releases specified for autumn 2021 or earlier. They have said, but autumn 2021 is when they're expecting it. Shan, already in with the dots. Oh, really? Like, yes, I was. I was wondering at what point they realised they were going to miss the windows. They said because sure, I can't believe like they, they all of a sudden woke up on the on the morning when they announced the thing. Oh, we're going to miss the date. We better tell people. So I'm just kind of wondering when the um, backlog started to uh, started to go. But the other question is, and I think it brought up in the forums uh, quite a bit, was there's quite a gap now between PC launches mm-hmm. and console launches. Mm-hmm. So that means the console owners are at a potential disadvantage in terms of first footfall, um, background simulation work, mm-hmm. but also um, for Galnet News and CGs, because they'll be reading about events and things that they can't possibly take part in. And if the if the CG rewards are similar to what they have been, there may well be these double engineered or more than just credit rewards that go along with it. So it does raise the question of what are Frontier going to do about this gap? Are they just going to say PC Master Race see ya, or are they going to suspend certain parts of Odyssey to uh, yeah. the console release? Right. Quickly, Ben, straight in and then Sovereign straight after. Honestly, I I think that the period between PC release and um, console release should basically it should just be an extended alpha. Um, you know, nothing you can extended alpha have it in the main game, but have maybe a BGS and first full, first footfall, etc. Basically, have the period of alpha mean nothing. Like the period before the before the console count releases mean nothing towards BGS and especially no first foots. Um, it just it doesn't seem fair to our PC our console brethren not to be able to get in on that first footing sort of um, get their names down on that call either. It just it's, it doesn't seem right to me. Um, I don't think I'd like that longer period in a separate split-up universe, but I don't want me to go off and land on 
every planet under the sun, and for the console players not to have not to get in there, it's just just not right. Okay, um, Severine, you've got a point to make about the BGS. People keep saying uh, that um, I understand the concern about first football, and I can understand that this com- um, how odd it might be if um, console players are listening to or reading uh, Galnet articles that. Uh, correspond to events they can't partake in. But this idea that uh, PC players will have some kind of BGS advantage, is there any evidence to support that at all? Is there any evidence that Odyssey will give any kind of BGS advantage to those who have access to it over those who don't? Well, in the notes, which I'm sure we'll come to, it does talk about different states for settlements. So presumably, if you can influence a state within a settlement, that will then feed into the BGS for that system. Yeah, so it's essentially a conflict zone that only one, only one platform owner can, only one set of platform owners can access. I'm making that assumption. Yes, but that's basically yeah. okay. I've got two, three, four levers to pull to influence my, my, my direction. Does it really matter if I only have three out of the four levers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It seems a bit. Seems a bit tangential. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I'm yeah. not convinced that B, that BGS thing should count. But also, if you can go off and affect influence in one way, but you can still affect it in in the base game, I'm not sure it's the end of the world either. Yeah. Um, Stuart GT, uh, the gentleman who looks after the uh, uh, the Reddit, has made the point that there weren't any Horizons-only CGs until after the Xbox Horizons landed. So basically, they do have form for keeping things level as far as this is concerned. Yes, she. Yeah, the thing I've got, not as a counter to that, but a thought I have around that point Stuart makes is the expectation of the players who have pre-ordered Odyssey and things like that will be to have CGs and there'll be storylines that have kicked off before um, before Odyssey and there's all this expectations going on and to not have them creates an even more of an expectations gap. That's kind of where my thoughts are around that. Okay, Ben. So you call it a gamma? You know, you don't say it's it's not live live. It's an extended gamma. Well, how would that go down then? Okay, right. Before Sorry. before everyone carries on with this, uh, mm-hmm. it should be pointed out that this COVID crisis. Uh, the first point I want to talk about is um, basically what Shan said, and I reckon mm-hmm. that they realised that something was wrong. Uh, just about when they came back after New Year. Because if you guys remember, um, just before we broke for Christmas, everything, the hype was all building, everything was looking good. But then over Christmas, as um, everybody in the UK is, is aware, the COVID situation has spiked. Now, a lot of people make the assumption that we're all fine and safe and working from home, but we're not. We are getting uh, people struck down with COVID and when you do, you are talking from personal experience between two to four weeks. That's you out of it. And as we know, there's long COVID and there's a lot of people at the moment who is not coming out of COVID. All right. Now, one thing they haven't mentioned anywhere is that 
um, how many developers are out of action because of this. And at the moment, I, I, I find everybody having a go at Frontier because of this situation a little bit um, sticking the boot in. Now, I know that COVID has been used, especially in, in some places, as an excuse, but it does feel there's an awful lot of, um, oh, they're just using it as an excuse. We don't care. They should have got it out on time because they're just working from home. And I, I do think that there's a lot of, a little bit too much unfeeling about the current situation. What do you think of that? Is anybody saying that? Is anybody saying? Uh, oh yes, yes. You can listen to you can listen to other podcasts. You can see it on the forums. You can see it on Reddit. Um, especially um, with a lot of the people who are, who are complaining about the consoles being delayed a lot further, or without the, um, uh, you know, about the delay in. And maybe Frontier didn't have the expectation set right because I know that David Brayman said that, oh, if it wasn't for COVID, we would have been ready before Christmas. So everyone said, right, okay, so that means that they're going to move it back to, I don't know, January. Well, I think they did. Say, I think something something was said that it, it. I remember it being said that it would be very early New Year. I think David Braben might have said that to investors, um, very very early 2021, uh, which is why everybody thought, yeah, you know, that's that's what it's going to be. I, I I do know that. Um, I think I think they knew that it would be delayed last year, uh, possibly even early early December, late November, because. Um, I uh, fr- from uh, from speaking to um, from speaking to one of the community managers about it. I, they they did not they didn't um, uh, they didn't let anything go or say anything they shouldn't have. Um, but they certainly. But when we were talking about uh, it was about Sagittarius I and when we should bring back our print edition, and I was saying like, oh, you know, should we should we make sure you know should we do it for the January issue so we're ready to go. And I very, very, I got the very firm impression that actually it really would not be January. And actually, if 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 we wanted to make it coincide with the month Odyssey goes live, we uh, we shouldn't be holding our breaths. And that was early December at the earliest. So I, I think that Frontier knew that it wasn't going to be early 2021, uh, mm. at least six weeks ago. Well, they've always said that, okay, they're going to move it back to Q1. Now, if, if anybody here has been used to um, the way that Frontier have acted in the past, when they said they've delayed it to Q1, that normally means to me Q1 is March, the end of during March or the end of March. Yeah, absolutely. So I wasn't expecting anything really until the end of March. However, this further announcement, which they kept back, we never got any any Odyssey announcements until after the. Uh, the investors had been informed. That's why they would they wouldn't answer anything about Odyssey on the streams. Um, I reckon it's been pushed back by a couple couple of weeks, um, so that basically we do the PC version has been pushed back another couple of weeks, really, because I reckon that they were always going to do an alpha first in Q1 and say that was it done. 
Stuart GT also raised a good point, actually, on Twitch, saying that there might not be a lot of console development kits that they've got access to to give to their developers. You, know, you can't have all the devs in the office trying them out, and they might not have enough of the actual machines to for the developers to actually use. Yeah, that's, a, that's another thing. Um, I mean, we can come on to uh, the discussion about why the consoles are going to be a lot later, uh, or delayed later, if you like. Um, Shan, do you want to make a point? Yeah, the other qu- the other question that springs to mind is that I wonder how much Frontier have looked at the cyberpunk situation and made a cautious decision based on the fallout of that. Um, yeah, right. I think that's... It's definitely going to happen because everybody's eyes are on Cyberpunk. Right. Can can someone actually bring me up to date with Cyberpunk? What happened there? Because I was under the impression, as as Ben said, that the the PC version is absolutely fine, um, but the actual console versions are completely boned. Is that was? Yes. So what happened in the console version was that uh, they didn't properly optimize it. So. It runs at a, a lower resolution, and there's a lot and a lot of glitches, like way too many, so that um, it's not even playable. From what I hear from my friends who have a PS4, mm. uh, but yeah, it's also um, the PC version glitched as well. But come on, it's PC; it, it, you don't see that many glitches, anyways. Yeah, it's I mean, buggy on all platforms, glitches. but it's but it's very, very, very buggy indeed on on platform on, on our consoles. Sorry, apparently. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was under the imp- right. Now, correct me if I'm wrong about this. Cyberpunk released um, a version for both consoles. Uh, it was that bad um, that uh, basically they let it get passed through its their their normal standards, their vetting process, because they promised all those issues be fixed with a day one patch. The day one patch came along and it weren't fixed. So Sony pulled Cyberpunk from the store. Is that correct? Yeah, precisely that. So th- th- this is why, this is, um, I've just put a dot for this so you can ignore that because I'm saying it now. Um, yeah. This is this is why I think, that I, and I've actually got no idea, but I, I have a feeling that this has informed Frontier's decision because what Sony did is actually quite remarkable. They, they said to a... Uh, an absolutely A-list studio about one of the most most anticipated games of uh, of the last few years. No, we won't stand for this. Our our, our platform and our our users' trust in our platform is worth more than your than your presence on our platform. Um, and they and they basically booted Cyberpunk off. That is a pretty remarkably robust response to uh, to extend to. To game developers, and I think a lot mm. of people would have would have taken notice of that and been like, "Ah, we can't put shit out on PlayStation and uh, and just wave it away with don't worry, it'll get patched." These guys, Sony are taking it seriously. They that they, they don't care. You know, their users' experience is more valuable than, to to them than we are. We need to start paying attention uh, and make sure that we that what gets put out on PlayStation is is worth playing. And I I, I don't think Frontier will be the last to say in the next six months to say, do you know what, we're delaying our console release. Well, also they got hit in the pocket, didn't they? Because the developers, I, I read, they got hit for over a billion dollars in lost market value over it. They lost. Mean? Oh yeah, their, their share price absolutely plummeted, yeah. Yeah. 
But I mean, that's not to say that, just for clarity, that's not to say that I think Frontier are nursing a dog shit console release. I don't think that Odyssey was going to be riddled with bugs. But I think a lot of develop. But 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 it's very cautious. Yeah, Sony Sony's Sony taking that action basically said, basically sent the message that you know you you can't you you can't piss around with us. It's got it's got to be as good as it is on on your other platforms, namely PC. Otherwise, you're not you're not allowed. We'd, so you know it, it's a case of even if. It, I think Does developers are going to be making right? very sure that their that their console releases are up to snuff. Yeah. What's it like on the PS5? What's it like on PS5 on and Xbox? Is it Series X now? The Xbox fridge. Yeah, the Xbox fridge, aka the Series X. Um, it is quite glitchy on both those platforms as well, but mm. it's not that glitchy because they do have the power to. Sort of keep Sony... some of those glitches out, and you know, keep the yeah. resolution did, high. Did Sony um, get rid of it from the from the PlayStation Five store? Oh yeah, as well? totally, completely. Okay, so they've pulled it from everything. They've pulled it from Plus, everything, so yeah. you can't yeah, I, I buy it online. I knew that it was bad on the console, but I didn't know yeah. what it was like on the PS Five. On I knew it was bad on the previous gen. I didn't know what it was like on on next gen consoles. Well, you'd be you'd have to be lucky enough to have a next gen console first. <laughs> true, true. No. And I don't get what these people are all about. Especially on PC, right? Uh so many people have been going on and on about the glitches when mm-hmm. they're like, Oh yeah, look at me, I've got the latest Ryzen five and the thirty eighty or thirty ninety, and I'm getting like one T posing character. Yeah. Bro, I mean, you I, already I've, have. I've got a nine seventy. I've got a nine seventy graphics card and a three year plus uh, i seven CPU and sixteen gig oh, wow. sixteen gig of RAM. So I do not have a top of the line PC. I'm averaging mid thirty FPS on between medium and high settings. Um, yeah, I have seen some glitches. You know, don't get me wrong. I've se- I have seen some glitches with, you know, people walking and sometimes bodies will stack up inside of each other rather than on each other and things like that. But I've not seen any game-breaking glitches. Well, I mean, Cyberpunk is truly a next-gen game, and mm. we're we're going to be lying if we said that this never happened before. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> Every Bethesda game ever. <clears throat> I mean, no it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a risk of releasing yeah. an open world game, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, cool. going to come, we're going to come away from Cyberpunk because, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yes, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't Cyberpunk. <laughs> yes, it was a, it's one that is a tank, it's the Thomas the Tank Engine. Uh, branch line to to Night City, which we'll avoid, right? Um, so, well, first of all, we um, we've covered the uh, the fact it's been delayed. Um, I'd just like to point out to Kaizen, who's a bit worried. What I meant by my comments about other podcasts was not actually the podcasts themselves, but when those podcasts are being broadcast, you can see the comments and Twitch coming up. Left, right, and centre, and they're there. You know, they just have no understanding about the situation that's happening over here. Uh, 
and they just they literally think it's either a hoax or it's they're just using it as an excuse. And to tell you the truth, it, it just makes you you a little bit um, angry, to be honest. <laughs> but um, moving on to the the fact that the consoles have been delayed now, obviously there is this difference in standards, but. Do you think they're trying to get the base game level first before they port it over to consoles? Because we know about the the problems you have when you are developing a new sort of beta system. Trying to put a beta out on the on the Xbox is not easy. Shan, um, I'm not sure, really. I mean, I'm not sure they are going to finish Odyssey and then work on the consoles. I know they're certainly working on the consoles in parallel with the the game. And I'm not I'm not a developer, but uh, I certainly remember reading that it's it's easier to develop um, PC software on an Xbox because the two are um, compatible with each other. So you know, it's just a compilation. PlayStation, I believe, is trickier, but I can't think they'll suddenly think, oh, we've got to do a console version now. Um, what they may be doing is trying to optimize it a bit for, for the current, for the new next-gen of consoles, because they suddenly mm-hmm. weren't, they weren't developing a specific version for PS5 and the new Xbox. But maybe they're trying to optimize it. I don't know. Yeah, because, well, the way I see it is that... Um... <laughs> Basically, we've got an alpha coming up. And if it's an alpha, that means they are going to be making changes as they go. So it, it's, it's like a moving target. And having moving targets, especially with the validation process on, on the consoles, that's going to slow everybody down. That is what bothers me a little bit about what they've currently said and the timings is because there doesn't appear to be an awful lot of time between what they call an alpha and release, certainly not enough to make game mechanics changes. You can change the balance. I mean, you can change numbers and, and whatnot. But if people don't like, say, the, the mechanics of raiding a base or et cetera, oh, I'm, no, not sure they much, I'm not sure they have much time to do anything about that. That's no, not no, really what an alpha's for, though, is it? My understanding is no, that, that um, design's been locked in. There's, yeah. there's nothing you can do to... Com- if, I mean, it's that was like um, when they, they, they started putting out the the multiplayer, the, sorry, the multi-crew stuff, and we were all complaining about the fact that, no, you need to have a second gunner there, or you, you could have an engineer which could block, enhance the shields to block incoming fire. All that stuff was good ideas, but it was too late because it was all... The design had locked in by then, and there's no way that those things were going to get changed. So in that case, then, do you think there's a, a reasonable argument for let for Frontier releasing gameplay mechanics, I don't know, in Dead Virus or something now, either getting feedback for or taking the heat out of the decisions before we ever get to an alpha? No. No, because awesome. then, <laughs> then basically you are having designed by committee uh, and at the moment, it's uh, if you had seen the, some of the stuff in the DDF, it's not a good idea. Well, that's why I said taking the heat out of the design decisions, because what you want to do is you want to have let people have their say, write their open letters and do whatever they're going to do. Mm-hmm. You want them to, to, if you like, lance the boil and then 
take the relevant bits, the balance point of view, et cetera, and do what you can. Not designed by committee, but just taking that initial feedback. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought I'd ask the question. Ben? This is where I wish that Frontier did, God help us all, a bit like what uh, CIG have done. And I'm pretty sure Shan's mentioned uh, Guild Wars doing this too, where you have a group of t- trusted players. Close pieces, uh, yeah. However you get to those trusted players, I don't give a sh- monkeys. Um... But you have a group of trusted players, and you get them involved early enough that you can throw ideas at them. The ideas can stick or not stick, but there is time then to go off and say, you know what? Playing this game, doing this sucks for whatever <laughs> reason. You know, and you can. You, obviously, you can you know you can go and say that that idea that you've written out on paper, good idea. Here's some things that we're not conv- convinced about. And but if they act- say yeah, yeah, and if they say good point or good yeah. idea, you still have time to fix it. If you if you then have to reverse course when the game is out and whatnot, it costs you a fortune to go. Yeah, right. I mean, that's the, that is the whole that was the whole point of the DDF. And, and the DDF like... agreed with most of what Frontier did, except for Super Cruise. Uh, yeah. And Super Cruise, one of the reasons why it takes too, so long to go from point A to point B in, in some, some systems is because of that. And, with, uh, and frankly, I agree with them. You know, I agree that space is big. You know, we should not be able to instantly teleport and stop moaning if you're having to fly the hard. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, but um, as all those who were involved with the DDF, DDF knew that it, it kind of devolved into something else. But that's a DDF member selection issue, mm. not a process issue. Yeah. Yes. I mean, well, there's not much we can really... Say about this. We know that it's been delayed. We we do have quite a lot of an annoyed console owners. Souverine. Um, I yeah. I I'm not sure about having this. Uh, you're talking about the Evacati with the, the Star Citizen uh, early backers. It works for a game like Star Citizen because it, it it's a way of rewarding and recognizing people who have backed to a certain amount at a certain mm-hmm. time like it, it it's sort of a it's a bit like the L, the LEP holders in elite that you know they, they have a uh, an inordinate privilege because they got in early and backed to a, a certain generous amount for something like odyssey it's a little bit different it would look like a popularity contest um if you charged for it it looks it would it would become a kind of pay for influence kind of thing. And I don't oh, think it's, the, it's I don't the top think... three secrets thing that you, you know, the first rule of fight club is you don't talk about fight club. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. We would never know. No. Sounds like bullshit. <laughs> so it, it sounds a bit, I, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather have, I'd rather have a decent game studio, make a decent game according to the principles that they adhere to and us buy it if we like it rather than, rather than. Yeah, uh, this popularity is the living game. The, yeah. But I mean, 
yes, but you, you, it's iterative design. You, you, you bring out something, you test it, you get player feedback, and then you change it. I don't, I don't think, I don't think getting a, a secret, a super secret club of yeah, but you of do that players before it releases millions of people. You do that before it releases millions of people. The whole point of iterative design is you have checkpoints where you get user feedback, and then you feed that back into your backlog and. Uh, around you go. If you if you try and fix stuff for a live game, it's extremely expensive. And just coming back to, to the uh, Star Citizen model, is I don't think choosing a group of people based on how much they're paid the, to play the game is a good selection mechanism. What you want is you want a group of people who you know, if they sign an NDA, they're not going to tell anyone they've signed the NDA, let alone reveal <laughs> the content. Because it's a because it's, it's an integrity issue, and you know, and the selection issue. It's not. What, it doesn't what work. I'm saying is that you really ought to ask Lave Radio to. Do. <laughs> no, don't ask. Don't ask the Lave other, Radio. We're not games designers. Um, ben, the other thing I would say is you don't give it to people based on whether they're a streamer or not. You know, you mm. don't go and say. You know, okay, well, if you stream Elite Dangerous, we'll give you access to this top secret club, but you can never tell anything about it. Because, yes, okay, you've got the enthusiasm there. But the first thing, you know, anyone who's a streamer, they, they want to talk about it. It's, their, it's you know, their, it's kind of their, their thing, isn't it? Mm. I mean, that's what the Guild Wars... Sorry, what they did for Guild Wars 2 um, is... Yep, is what they what so what they did is they didn't look at the streamers certainly for that they didn't look at the people yeah. who streamed it. What they did is they took the top PvP players and PvP guilds, and they also then looked at the PVE guilds that were recognised as being um, you know top of the top of the game, very knowledgeable, very into the community, and they asked them. Yeah, and but because and because they weren't streamers, because they weren't. They weren't interested in clicks. They just wanted to give their feedback. Um, and there were no leaks at all of content, and it was, uh, their stuff was fed in. But, yeah, uh, that could work. Yeah, I mean, you would get people who are invested in the, in the community. You'd get members from Canon. You'd get members from AXI. You'd get members from the Rats. You'd get, I'd say you'd get members from, from the Hutton Truckers, from... You know, various active community groups mm. who are heavily invested in the game and in the game mechanics. You get people who are invested in BGS. You get people who are invested in CQC and power play in all the game loops who are genuine experts on that gameplay loop. And you yeah, say, that, hey, you know that this gameplay loop. Yeah, you you know this gameplay loop that you know everything about. Say with let's say uh, power play. Revenue. Now we're thinking about doing this thing. Like we're thinking about maybe making power play open only. What do you think about that? What would be the repercussions? They did that. I know. Yeah, but they they did that and then nothing came of it. Actually. Yeah, so that's, that's true. That's me rubbing the salt in the wound. Sadly, a wee bitty. Uh, but yeah. You ask the experts, and you get the experts' opinions. And the experts are the people who are playing the damn thing rather than the people who write it. And I'm yeah. saying that as a software engineer who writes software because I don't know how the hell to use my code. And, and, and more than that, <laughs> is they're the ones who will find your loopholes and your exploits and yeah. stuff. 
and report back, not keep them to themselves until they've exhausted its usefulness and then tell Frontier. Yeah, these, these are really good points. I think definitely that Thargoid combat would be better if um, if uh, Frontier consulted some of the people who do the most of it. Definitely. It, 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 it always seems a massive shame to me that, that really there's only one useful gun in Thargoid combat. You can use the shard cannons if you want for a specific thing, and if there's enough of you to insta-gib a an interceptor but broadly if you're doing it on your own it's scouse cannons or go home um which is, imagine- a, which is a crying shame because a load of de- developers and animators and concept artists put loads of work into making the other the other weapons and they're just not used mm-hmm. so like that can't be desirable can you I imagine still use the AXI cummins to cqc if you got a bunch of people who actually actively played cqc to help you design cqc yeah yeah did yeah, you just absolutely. call them? Did you just call them Scouse cannons? <laughs> did I? Hey, 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 hey! All right. Calm down. Thargoid. Calm down. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> do, you do, do, scouse, do Scouse cannons steal bits off Thargoid shit? Oh no, 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 no! no. no that's that's, that's not fair. Right, I have a lot of friends in Liverpool, and they are not like that at all. Even though they they do actually go a a a a lot, but no. do, do they have nice, a nice hubcap collection? Shit! <laughs> oh, <laughs> so the Thargoid ship comes out of range. When you come back, it's on little wooden blocks. In the <laughs> I'd like to apologise to any of our listeners in Liverpool. I will be smacking these three idiots around <laughs> the head. Quite quickly, don't worry. <laughs> anyway, we're going to be moving along yes, from. We really should. And this we? this comes from someone who lives in Manchester. So there. Anyway, so <laughs> in other news, Odyssey did the sorry Frontier released the first Q and A that they did um, from uh, about settlements. What they've started to do instead of doing the AMAs, what they've gone and done is they're collating questions. Or common questions people are asking about a specific subject and answering them. So in this case, it will it will be about settlements. Um, the first question was: If I go to an outpost post and wipe everybody out, do they all respawn eventually, or is that town now a ghost town? Now they said that outposts will send for reinforcements that will get progressively tougher. However, these aren't infinite. Um, it will be possible to kill everyone and loot the outpost. However, the consequences thereafter will be severe. I, I think that's that's a notoriety offence, isn't it, Shan? I hope so. Um, but my, my question is, is will an outpost share the same population between game modes? Because if I go in solo and wipe out the population, is that outpost then emptied out of people for private group and open players? I, I would think it would be because it, uh, it, that would what governs what's actually happening on that that post will be server side, won't it? Maybe I don't know. Well, no, it, it is caught server side. It's not uh, the population of that particular outpost is um, that will be held server side. So if you go in and wipe it out. 
The server then knows, hang on a second, that's it, that's that one out and sent for reinforcements. So the next person that comes along on the Xbox or on private mode or in solo mode turns up there and goes, where is everybody? I genuinely think this is, they're doing a politician's answer here where, you know, you go and ask one question and they answer the other one. Yeah. Um, where there's, you know, they're, they're asking, if I go and kill everybody, does that mean I've killed everybody? And what they're answering is, if you kill everybody in that instance, then they'll send more. They'll send more reinforcements for your instance of the outpost, and they'll more instances, more more reinforcements, more reinforcements. But it's only ah, in your instance. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I didn't I didn't take it that way. I thought that would be. Now we'll we'll have to wait and see what yeah. what the actual answer is. But the answer that the the meaning I took off that was that if you wipe out an outpost, it's wiped out until reinforcements come in, regardless of who's going to visit it from that point on. Um, they, they, do have, they do have states. They do have um, states for being abandoned. So I, I think it's probably a bit of a both. It's a bit of a bit of both. The architecture of the game is such that the that it's instanced, and uh, if you kill everybody there, it those you other you know. Uh, another player jumping in might not see the meat might not see those bodies lying there where you've shot them. The game isn't built like that. Um, no, but, no, not that much. But, but but you doing you wiping out everybody in an outpost might trigger a system state or not system state. Sorry, it might trigger a state change for the following tick, turning that outpost from populated to abandoned. So it could be that it's a bit of both. That's the way the BGS works now. Uh, Stephen Usher said in, in chat, he doesn't think it's that persistent. Merely the state would be persistent based on what they've said. Mm. Which does kind of lead into thinking about, about the console releases and BGS again. Well, to, to avoid that conversation and opening that wormhole, we'll move on to the second one, which is um, you have said in one of the dev diaries that the People you encounter in station outposts are related to the faction in control. How will we get missions from other factions in the station? Quite simply, they said there will be mission boards on terminals available in ports and outposts that can support on foot missions from all the factions in the system. Mission givers in ports and outposts can also be from a variety of factions. Okay, Shan, off you go. Um, I was. I read through that, and um, I was just wondering when it said mission givers, does that mean we'll be go to go to Etty and Dawn and say, "Hi, mate, have I got a whole bunch of escape pods for you?" Or will I have to look at a bulletin board menu to get such missions? <laughs> or is I that was a combination under, of both. I, th I was under the impression it was a combination of both. So I am perfectly expecting um, to have these sort of NPC man in the corner with the exclamation mark above his head, as well as your mission board. I hope it's not as obvious as that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know, but you know, that's, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, next question was, do NPCs spawn only at these new settlement outposts, or do they appear randomly anywhere on a planet, like those parked NPC ships that just appear in random places? And they said NPCs will not randomly spawn in the wilderness. However, you may stumble across some some of them at a place of interest. I, I, I do slightly, this may sound churlish, but I would slightly quite like Frontier to answer these questions 
out of universe. Like the, these answers are all in fiction. Like for example, if you, um, sorry, they might not all be in fiction, but the ones we've discussed so far have been in fiction. Um, you know, for example, if I take out everybody in an outpost, are, are they all dead? And him saying, well, you know, they'll send for reinforcements. Like, don't give us an in fiction answer. Give us a give us a good faith mechanics answer. Well, you know, what, what are the mechanics around that? How how many waves will there be until you know? So, so in in in, for, in this example, you know, I I just slightly feel that. Um, uh, you know, you won't. You know, you won't stumble across them in the, in the wilderness, but you might. Da, 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 da. Just, just tell us mechanically where these things will spawn. Like those, are the, that, that's the that's the spirit in which we're asking the questions, and it seems a bit mealy mouthed not to not to answer them straightforwardly. Um, well, this is one thing that I I have noticed with um, a lot of these answers. Mostly, it's it's vague because basically they want they want to discover it for themselves. It's also uh, a game balance issue, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, for yeah, instance, if you turn around, oh, how when if you wipe out a base, how many waves do you get before the base is, you know, how long until reinforcements arrive? Well, really, that's a case of trial and error that you have to do yourself. I suppose so. Yeah, I guess. I guess you're right, Ben. Did you want to say something? Everyone's confused me. They started putting question marks in the chat. <laughs> well, a question mark has a dot at the bottom, so <laughs> yeah. I thought it was Norman wanting to say something. <laughs> okay. Um, well, the next one, the next couple of questions are actually quite straightforward. What permanent states can a new settlement outpost have? Yeah, and they said the following states are active, abandoned, war, damaged, online, offline, damaged, offline, offline, damaged, and conflict zone. So make it that what you will. So going back to Sue's point, where's when does it become online damage as opposed to online? Again, it's balancing one that yeah, don't really mean anything until you get a context around them. Mm. If it um, if it works the way that the BGS currently works, that's potentially really exciting. Um, at the at the moment, the, because space is very large and and it's a, and we're, the game only takes place in spaceships, the, the BGS states don't feel very urgent. You know, ticking from boom to bust or from boom to pirate attack, you might get hyper. You might get interdicted by a few different, but by different NPCs. But it still feels quite abstract and quite distant. Having you know, you, you, the game could use this, exactly the same logic and exactly the same system to to affect changes that feel much more immediate and much more. Much more sort of urgent and impactful. Like, um, for example, the, using the the example of killing everybody in a base, that may be an instanced event, but it could then lead with the next weekly tick to that base going from populated to abandoned, which would give the player returning to that base a real sense that they had they had made that change all all by themselves. <laughs> uh, I now know why there are so many question marks in the chat. Because apparently in Warcraft, the mission givers all have an exclamation mark and a question mark when you complete it. <laughs> so thanks for that, guys. I've never played War World of Warcraft. I now know. Yet again, another game I've never played. Um, there's a thing, uh, another question of if you eliminate everybody in a settlement, do they respawn? Well, they said settlements won't stay empty forever. They will repopulate over time. So Hang on a minute. That implies the colonists have um, rabbit genes, isn't it? Yeah. Or the more people are shipped in. Yes, or, or the means no, of transport. No, when you said repopulate, you just kind of like, 
repopulate? Where where will they come from? Will there be lots of? We have cloning banks, okay. Oh, maybe maybe oh, Odyssey will have a breeding mechanic. Maybe maybe you can breed um, <laughs> commanders together like Pokemon. Oh, God. oh my what, God! That's what, that's what I've been doing in Pages Minecraft servers: breeding villagers. That doesn't surprise us at all, right here. That Ben, that that doesn't bode well for any mental image in people's heads right now. You you, you, give, like- you, you give villagers carrots. And they get little love hearts, and then you get a little baby villager who likes to jump on beds. Right, moving on. Will the engineers for your weapons and will there be? Hang on a minute. Hang on. We haven't. We haven't. No, we are not going back to to basically your fantasies about how the settlements are repopulated. We're moving on. <laughs> well, we, well, I'm sure. I'm sure Ben can tell you about the birds, bees, and carrots if you like. <sighs> Right, the engineers for your weapons and suits. I said the original cast of engineers will remain and they'll be joined by a new group, all of which you'll be able to meet in person for the first time. Now, this seems to me that you'll only be able to meet the new group, not the original engineers. No, they, they, they've said they, they've previously confirmed that you'll be able to meet the existing engineers. Fair enough. So Everybody your fantasy is meeting Mr. Dawn is complete. Yes. <laughs> I thought it was your fantasy, Shan. No, 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 no. Ben, no, no. Ben is going to chat up uh, Laurie Jameson. We, we oh, thought you were going to go and try your luck with. Um, oh, wait for this one. Oh, right. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dawn. She's definitely your type. Uh, Mac will. Mac <laughs> has his eyes on uh, Todd the Blaster. I gather. Why? Right. I don't know. Ask him. Fair enough. Okay, so that's going to be today's questionnaire. Uh, question then is, uh, which engineer do you want to meet and why? I think that that's going to be the community question for, for this. Well, it, well, engineer FMA or something. <laughs> yeah, engineer Tinder, this is. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking F marry avoid. Oh, oh. oh God! <laughs> that was a serious game. Were can of worms opened right now? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Anyway, um, are there destructible items in the bases, i.e., exploding barrels that can be used for tactical purposes? Everyone loves a good exploding barrel. And yes, you'll be able to take advantage of certain environmental elements for tactical advantage. If you want to stand next to a big red barrel, feel free. Shan. See, that mechanic has always kind of bothered me in a way because uh, you, you see these, these big bunch of barrels conveniently placed in the middle of a room with the NPCs kind of like milling around it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, why are they standing next to something that obviously explodes? You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you think they'd avoid them, wouldn't you? Or, they, or they'd put the exploding barrels against the doors to shoot them when someone walked through. But I, I don't. That last sentence, if you want to stand next to a big red barrel, uh, feel free to. That sounds a bit trolly, as if nothing will happen. Oh, yeah, it takes a troll to spot a troll, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Okay, next question. Um, can we hack weapon emplacements to turn them on defenders or switch off the powers, the station power to disable weapon emplacements? The answer is, of course, yes. 
You'll be able to bring down settlement defences, allowing others to enter combat zones in vehicles. Powering down a settlement will also allow you to access restricted areas. Now, this this seems pretty obvious to me, and we're back to uh, Sue's typing is boring comment. I mean, is everybody happy with the with the hacking idea? Well, I'm interested to see what Sue would find boring about typing and watching the defenses shoot down chips. Because for me, that would be glee. I'd love that to see that. Cool. That would that would be terminal. Waiting for Ben to arrive and then suddenly turning on the defenses would be excellent. <laughs> sort of say, all right, I've got the defenses down. Waiting for Ben to fly over, switch them on again, and I'm, watch the fireworks. Going into Cyberpunk, I've loved the hacking mechanics in that game. Uh, I especially love being able to select somebody and then basically just select you know, hack into somebody's brain and then tell them to commit suicide is great fun. <laughs> That's, it does, that, that, that does sound a pretty exciting implementation. I love it. It's so hacking. good. It's so much Mass- fun. Massively overpowered for balance for a multiplayer game, though, isn't it? Oh, God, yeah. But, uh, I mean, in terms of this, you can hack into you know, hacking into turrets and then using the turrets. Could you imagine if you could hack into the turrets mm, yeah, outside of Live Station, cool. say? That'd be so much fun. I guess it depends on what the mechanic is, because if it's just press a button and watching a bar go up and then goes hacked, that is less interesting than actually having some degree of mini game or the station defenses turn on you and you have to have people fight them off until you've done the mini game. That sort of thing, I think, is more interesting than just having a little progress bar that goes up. Yeah. yeah well, also I'm- kind of sorry. Go on, I just want to ask here, um, you know, that should kind of be a risk versus reward thing. Because uh, if you're doing something that does uh, take a long time, for example, the turret thing, right? Uh, other than just having a mini game, it just feels better to have a longer bar because you're just going to have to fight that turret for a bit longer than, uh, you know, just doing a quick mini game that somebody might speed run in under half a second. Well, that's just where the skill level comes in, isn't it? The more, because you, you, what you'd have is you'd have, oh, I know Sue, he's the fastest typist in the West. And so you'd want, you'd want Sue along uh, to do your hacking for you than, um, I don't know, Colin. He most certainly would not want me to do your hacking for you. But you get the idea, don't you? It becomes a skill yeah, yeah. that is then desirable in the game. And that's, that's what I like, being able to build a player's reputation for being good at that part of the game. In the same way as MMOs, you know, you, you know who a good heal player is or you know who a good tank is, and you want that person in your team because they're a good healer or a good tank. That sort of thing is what I would like to see because that brings an extra variation and um, interest in the mechanic. Mm. Right. Um, Well, these final two questions, I think, uh, are are pretty much connected. It says, within Odyssey, we're thinking of open-air combat zones. What's to stop me using an Orca equipment mines to carpet bomb a settlement, along with what's what's going to be able to stop an SLF with shard cannons? And both of them are uh, emphasise the fact that the settlement defences are very strong, and if you don't shut them off first, you could suddenly find yourself without that orca or the fighter. Why they chose an orca, I've got no idea, because I wouldn't have done a bombing wrong in an orca. 
But one one point they did say is that said that some hand weapons can be very effective. I'm assuming that's against SLFs. Chan. Yeah, I I think the answer to those two questions is uh, developers' wishful thinking. Because if you've ever sat above uh, Dekiat, for example, uh, and Dekiat has some quite decent defenses, or you've ever sat outside a station, there are blind spots in the defenses, there are ways of killing players that will not incur the wrath of the station, or we are out of range of said weapons. So I am pretty confident that you will be able to drop bombs, grease players, and whatever, and not get got by the weapons. Interesting. I didn't know that. Well, I mean, overall, what did you think to the q and I thought it was quite interesting, personally. Anyone got yeah. any... I, I, think I also thought them helpful. I think some of the questions sometimes is... is, is um, they don't give Frontier particularly... They don't give Frontier the benefit of the doubt sometimes. Like Some of the questions on, like... Um, you know, I, I've seen a few people say in the past along the lines of uh, what's to stop me just uh, using a big ship to to um, to wipe everybody out, sort of thing. And 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 the you know, you'd have to be you'd have to be pretty you'd have to be pretty short sighted to design systems in which that was in in which using a spaceship was overpowered. Like I, I feel sometimes that people don't people don't assume that Frontier will do a good job of it, which isn't very fair. Like you know. It, Obviously, if you were if you were designing something like this, you'd, you'd make hard counters for spaceships so that there was an incentive to get out of them and get your boots on the ground. Does that make sense? It does, but I'm basing that on the fact that players will always find a way around mechanics put in by developers. Because it's, a, it's an arms true. race, right? Yeah. It is a, it's an arms race, right? There's a developer to try and stop people exploiting and stuff like that and then a group of players who take that as a challenge and then find the exploits yeah. i just I, I just know for example that there's a few places in in the game where it's possible to destroy players and get no kind of damage at all i mean you just have to look at skimmers for example i mean the, the bases supposedly have these tough defenses yet you can sit three or four kilometers above a base fire dumb fires and then destroy them with splash damage. Now, I know they've said they've got points to defense, which would kind of mitigate the uh, the dumbfire, but other weapons have splash damage too, and the longer range and station defenses would have. Mm. So it's that sort of thing that we need to test. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that is one of the points of the alpha, so um, we fully expect the first thing to Shan to do is to try exactly that and see if, if or not they have uh, covered all the bases because as we all know it's better to take off and nuke the site from orbit just to be sure if anything has taught us about dealing with ground combat in science <laughs> fiction <laughs> so um moving on from i mean that was just the development news this week so we've still got a lot to get through <clears throat> the in-game events this week um well Starting with the very latest, well, Edmund Mahon has now launched a, a new political campaign to be re-elected as the alliance, uh, the alliance's prime minister. So that's a nice little bit of uh, uh, background information still happening. Um, Sirius has complained to Utopia about the fact that they want to have this um, 
superpower summit, saying that Utopia doesn't have the facilities to be able to handle it. Um, there are also severe questions about the Lacon takeover. So they have, um, uh, yeah, that one's not going away anytime soon. Uh, of course, we have had um, a CG completed with the xenological samples being delivered to Colonia. Um, and the second CD, uh, CG rather to follow that up was we need to feed the Marlinists temporarily because they don't have enough food. So there's two CGs there, or there were. Uh, the food delivery one is still in progress, but the bounty hunting one, which I got involved in on, on uh, uh, over the weekend, that finished on Sunday night. It, it finished very quickly, which uh, I was a little disappointed that it it it's, um, it finished so quick. But yeah, you know, I, I guess it had a lot of people working on it. That's what your wife says, Colin. <sighs> I think we should make a sample of Colin's sigh. Yeah, we want to have it on a button just so that he can deploy it when appropriate. No, no, it's just moving did on. You, did you not mention that you had a soundboard actually for tonight, Colin? Yeah, I wasn't able to set it up in time. Ah, okay. Otherwise, I would be repeatedly telling Silverine to go get stuffed. <laughs> have <laughs> it on the have it on the enter key quickly as possible. That's right, not very nice. After what he's just said, he deserves it. Anyway, the newsletter. Um, well, there was new newsletter 309, which basically covered everything I think uh, we've already discussed, and on top of that, um, a couple of the uh, community events that uh, we, were to- we talked about last week. So this follows, <clears throat> brace yourselves, the store alert. Store alert! Yes, well, I think we'll go to adverts after after being almost copyright struck there. Good save. (laughs) Well, howdy there, partner. My name's Buck, and I'm a trader. People ask me, Mr. Naked, just what do you trade in? Well, I'll trade anything to earn me more credits, but what old Buck Naked trades in is his very own space cow. Y'all know it as the Lakon Spaceways Type 9. She may turn slow and lumber along, but she's got plenty of room in her belly to store your load. And when I take her to Hutton Orbital, you can be sure that Buck Naked will be relaxing in his cockpit, counting the credits those poor saps will pay me for delivering hundreds of tons of goods they need. So if you want to get rich, pick yourself up a Lakon Spaceways Type 9, the Space Cow. For your utter delight. Hey, buddy. Why the long face? Exploring is boring. What? What makes you say so? Because I have to scoop for fuel at every single store. And then the voices I hear in the store tell me to... Whoa. Sounds like you've got a case of space madness. What you really need is really big gas tank. What? With Really Big Gas Tank, you'll be sailing the Milky Way in style and comfort. No more hanging out at every stupid store just to refuel. It's as easy as honk and go. Gotta get to Beagle Point for a romantic interlude? Just honk and go. 
Want to be the buckiest ball in the galaxy? Just honk and go. And if you fill your really big gas tank with patented Jumbonium 5000, you can honk and go, go, go. Gee, thanks, mister. No, thank you. Really big gas tank. Because why wait when you can honk and go? Jumbonium 5000 has been known to cause extra arm growth, outdoor mayonnaise, priapism, and spontaneous targo face. He's only a drug. public service announcement from the fuel rats. Please stop what you're doing and pay attention. If we can rescue you, we will, but you can help us help you by following these easy steps. 1. Fly 50 light seconds or so from the system's main star and drop out of supercruise. 2. Note down the current system and the nearest stellar body. 3. If you're on emergency life support, log out immediately. 4. Go to FuelRats.org and click Get Help. Five, stay calm, hold your breath, and let our seasoned professionals do what they do best. The Fuel Rats. We have fuel, you don't. Any questions? And welcome back. Um, for those of you who were interested, the store alert was about a crate, the crate Mark II Turbulence skins that have just been released into the store. Uh, I bet it, you were all waiting for that one, weren't you? Well, um, the main discussion this week uh, is we were going to continue from uh, uh, our, our question from last week, which was, what was the best memories of Elite that you've had so far? And yeah, the, this was a phenomenal phenomenal response that we've had from the community. Um, so what we'll do is we'll, we'll quickly go through the show notes um, and everyone else, uh, I'll just call people around and, and see whether or not they uh, they, uh, they agree with uh, what has been said. Um, so I think we discussed this one last week, but Canon were there saying that the best thing they've experienced was the original hype addiction for the first time in VR. I think everybody can agree that that is is an astounding bit of uh, elite dangerous. See, that's another thing you could use to test your heart, Colin. <sighs> hey, we'll have passed that one then. Um, we've got Frank87. I might as well point out, all these, these, these responses here are, are all off Twitter uh, for the moment because we did the forums last week. And uh, now we've got Twitter and Facebook on top. So um, Frank87 um, said there was a bunch of them who managed to push an SRV into a, Coro uh, a Coriolis station. And it was a game of football to get the buggy through the slot. And he was the one that managed it. Goal. That sounds immense fun. Yeah, that matter. means that they'll have to have had the SRV on a planet, then onto a ship. And then they've had to have taken the ship up to the station. Not necessarily, because I believe there was a time when the um, Canon megaship Gnosis was in close enough orbit to a uh, a planet, 
and they'd calculated the gravity incorrectly, which meant you could get the SLV into orbit significantly more easily than having to cart it up on a ship. Ah, but, uh, this was to a, a Coriolis station, though, so it can't be the it can it couldn't have been the Gnosis. But never mind. Um, Axonis says that friends uh, and I decided to fight each other for fun. None of us had done any engineering yet, but I had grinded out enough power play to unlock the pack hounds. A fully outfitted cutter with them on every hard point scared the living poop out of all of them with a wall of missiles. Oh, that sounds fun. Do you remember the bug where you could uh, launch pack hound after pack hound after pack hound after pack hound? Yes, I remember that because a lot of grief has used it as an exploit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I must admit, as if, have you ever ever been attacked by a whole of pack hounds coming you at once? Not in game, mm. only in real life. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Uh, yeah, it, it is a quite scary moment. Um, Sister Tenebrae uh, says, hanging out with other explorers on distant worlds, distant worlds two, and distant stars. Uh, a particular highlight was encountering Salome on distant worlds one, and the strongest connection I've ever felt uh, to the background law. Playwise Galactic Tag Ultimate was Galactic Tag Ultimate. That sounds good. It's a elite based anime cartoon. <laughs> That sounds like exactly what it would be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I enjoy that. Um, Janie uh, has said, for for me, it has been either the original CG to get the Hutton mug in-game or the first SRV race across a planet between two outposts. Both immense amount of trucker uh, fun. Um, I must admit, the original CG, when the, the truckers were formed, and Hutton Orbital Radio was put together to help get people through that two-hour haul to Trutton, uh, Hutton Orbital. I think that was astoundingly good fun. And again, it was the community that made it. Otherwise, it would have just been another CG. Mm. I mean, do you remember any of that, Ben? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember that quite vividly. And I remember loving... The fact I could literally point myself at Hutton, go off and do the hoovering, and then come back and still have half an hour left over. <laughs> I mean, did you get ever interdicted by pirates at that point oh, while doing that? Because I, I know there don't was. Think so no. Wasn't wasn't there an arrangement made to say the Hutton orbital truckers said to the code, "Yep, come and come, come and get us." Suggestions we're, we're right were made. It never happened to me. Ah. Pity. I don't think Grant must have put that bounty up on you then. <laughs> oh, they did Commander Ventura. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And, I do. I know. Oh, Simuf, you know, went off and did what I did, but didn't get back for about an hour after he was meant to fly past Hutton Orbital. I think Grant was the same actually. He just like pointed at himself and then comes back three hours later and then has to fly back again. <laughs> That's that's what you want, isn't it? Uh, I know that uh, Mindwipe was running interference. Um, unfortunately, 
at that point, we did realize at this point that the structural integrity of your ship does matter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because people were able to one-shot anacondas if that anaconda had been out in the black for, say, three hours without docking. Well, even <laughs> even if it had 100% hull. Yeah, because the structural, yeah, the, the structural integrity. You know how you, you've... Yeah, got this, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. That's really cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. I yeah, think it reduces the hull strength by around 30%. Yeah, it is. Nice. That's cool. And Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, we've got Micro T, uh, who was buying his first ASP. Uh, but for real, it would be flying with a bunch of friends out to Evelyn's Light. That's... Yeah. That, that was... Uh, yeah. Uh, so TJ... Who is is basically? It's not his fault, honest. But we'll blame him anyway. Yeah, he's blamed for everyone. Yes, he says the Elite Dangerous launch party was a blast. Uh, So was FX seventeen. Fingers crossed that we'll all be able to meet up again soon. Which I think yes, definitely for everybody. Dave E, um, getting his Mamba set up to work with his squadron mates. Matt Black, paint and red. Accents everywhere, bed boxes and edgy FDLs, and a shining gold mamboa that goes fast. I, I take it that means that everybody had different um, different ships, sort of mambas and FDLs. What are we talking about? Sorry, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm moving on to Patches McFluffy. Um, he says his favorite memory was the feeling he got first time he entered the mail slot. It felt like he was part of a living galaxy. Yeah, that was that. That, that is a pretty amazing feeling, actually. Yeah, I mean, do you think that they've got the? Um, do they make the galaxy feel lived in with a lot of the uh, NPC ships? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I, I think that it it that there's there's different approaches at verisimilitude. You can do it through you can do it through deep simulation of lots and lots of complex systems, like something like Dwarf Fortress or RimWorld uh, or a game like that, where it's plausible because <laughs> things behave in the way that they might be expected to, and every door has a key, and that key is physically present in the world somewhere, um, which is the way that Elder Scrolls. Uh, sorry, Bethesda make the Elder Scrolls games and the Fallout games, for example. Or you can do it in terms of faking it in, mm-hmm. and having making the effect uh, really, really good and really plausible. But actually, if you, if you know, like, like for example, CD Projekt Red and The Witcher Three and Cyberpunk and um, and an Elite to an extent, which is where everything looks really amazing. The animations are incredible. The graphics are incredible. The um, the little barks that people do when you walk past them are, um, are amusing and appropriate. But if, you, but if you watch them, you'll notice that nobody has a house that they go back to. The houses don't have doors that work. You know, it, it's, it's like one of, those, one of those fake Western towns that they used to build for film sets. Um, and to be honest, either of those approaches work really well, and they both have their place. And, they, uh, and they're both simulationist in their own way. And I think Elite is definitely the latter, you know, and the, the illusion is broken as soon as you are, you know, for example, if you're, if you're being chased by an NPC pirate and you jump into a new system and then they, they appear and they're flying an eagle, whereas five minutes ago they were fi- flying a cobra, boom, 
the illusion's broken. And that's because Elite is definitely the second form of simulation. It's, it's, it's all about being minute-to-minute minute compelling. Um, whereas if you look too hard, you can see the... You can see the um, not the cracks, but you can you can see where uh, where sort of um, the tricks have been you know sort of Used, where the yeah. tricks have been uh, performed to to make it that compelling. Um, but yeah. I think the minute to minute of docking, leaving the mail slot, doing a doing a super cruise jump, sorry, um, doing a hyperspace jump, there it, it's all really, especially the first time, really mind blowing. Yeah, Ben. Uh, Hello. One thing I was wondering. No, I'm here. I'm here. I'm wondering, actually, for those of us who were in the alpha, do you think that that first docking was stolen from you by having doing by doing it in the alpha so much? Um, it's just you and me in the alpha, though, isn't it, Shan? You weren't in the alpha. Uh, no, uh, but. I can relate to what Ben's saying because I'm thinking about Odyssey. Mm. If will the first step that you take in Odyssey, will that be the most memorable or will we... I don't know. Well, I mean, for me, um, I think it wasn't stolen from me because we still had to dock. Um, and yeah, but you'd I... already docked 100 times by then. Yeah, I but do... there was, we, we still had to dock for the first time. I do I mean, think it's got better though. This, oh yeah, yeah. Because but, I, I remember seeing a Type Nine trying to dock horizontally into the docking slot and getting stuck, like flapping around like some fish out of water at the docking port until it eventually got blew up. Um, so I, I think that experience of having a living space station or a living galaxy around you that has improved quite a lot since the early days. Well, if I remember rightly, when we first, um, when the the Alpha first came out, and we first docked. Uh, we were still all blown away with it at the time, because basically this was something that a lot of us had been waiting for twenty to thirty years for. And the fact that the, when you when you went into that docking port for the first time, and and saw the inside of the station, it it basically it dropped your jaw. And uh, that sense of um, space has never really left until you go to uh, go to VR, and then it opens up in a whole new, different way. Okay, uh, I'm going to move on to the next point then. Um, yeah, this is an interesting one. It's Shenron at sixty-seven. Says when uh, me and my friend was all hyped about the first fleet carrier uh, going into the new zone, we came back from our first exploration trip, exploration trip, prepared our ship for a multi-purpose. Even if I was disappointed in the end, it was the excitement that was there. Is is that basically his first jump in a, a fleet carrier? Yeah. I, I guess that that is a little disappointing. That first jump in a fleet carrier. I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was really cool. I really liked the first jump in a fleet carrier. I thought it was amazing. Uh, maybe he was expecting to see the stars and the the effect, like it would be on the castle ship. You know, castle ships jump out. It's almost like an angry storm, isn't it? Well, it is, it is the same. That. 
Yeah, yeah it is the same for fleet carriers. It is the same. For, you get the same effect for the fleet carriers, but the um, yeah, it's not. It's, the fact it's, that sort, can, it's yeah. sort of like hiding in the cupboard, isn't it? Though it is right. Um, <laughs> moving on, we got Neil Willy. Um, he loves hauling uh, to the Colonia base CGs. He says it's not everyone's cup of tea, but the sense of, of completion was fantastic. <laughs> I've still, I've still got a shiny sideway uh, sidewinder somewhere out there. Still, never going to make it to Colonia. Um, we've got Millstone Barn. He says, many experiences with commanders, but the standout one was the Sagittarius A tea party with Ed and the 38 back in 3303. That sounds like something for you, Sean. I remember it, actually. Uh, and looking down at what uh, Millstone's written as well, apparently there's an archived episode from Ed's journey home. Biscuit reviews. I got no idea what the archive is, but I'd love to know because for me that was an amazing time. Because every day at, at noon, pretty much, you would you should schedule your meetings away from noon to one uh, p.m. and you just join in with Ed as he tried to make his way back after the distant worlds. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and it, it was great. And I, I don't think I turned up for the SAG A uh, tea party with Ed thirty eight. Um, but I do certainly remember seeing it on stream, and yeah, they, they were great times. Uh, we have Joe Castelli. I mean, he said the fight to flip Lave Station for the Lave Radio Network. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. Ben, you were involved with that one, weren't you? Yep, I remember that. That was a lot of fun. Um, I was, it was, it was a lot of fun. I was glad when it ended. It did also drag on and it, you know, felt it was really just stealing our life. <laughs> yeah. oh, we are really grateful for the people who helped. Though. I mean, you can't really... Oh, end, God, can't yeah. really... I mean, the, the community members who helped us were awesome and so much, you know, it's so appreciated even now. Uh, I mean, actually, you know, we recently had um, somebody in the dark wheel saying, hey, you know, seeing as we're taking, we're doing stuff in Lave now, can we, could we please get Lave, can we please take Lave? And obviously the answer to that was no, no, you can't. <laughs> what a remarkable question. Well, he, Can we he please have your was, Well, this guy was basically saying in the dark in the dark wheels uh, thread, saying we're gonna, you know, our my faction is pushing on trying to turn Lave and make it into our control because they mm. wanted to see what was happening with Lave Two. Mm. Uh, so they wanted to try and get Lave Two into. Yeah, just to see what would happen with it. And I can see where they're coming from. Yeah, okay. Unfortunately, yeah, the, the answer to that is no, you can't have, have Lave, though. And, and nothing, and nothing is going to happen with Lave 2 yeah. anyway. Exactly. And also, <laughs> you know, China's all about everything that's going on there. And, you know, to reiterate to anybody who's listening, the Dark Wheel has no intention to take over Lave 2, or even Lave <laughs> 1, or any Lave. Um, yeah. Um, Sam, or Hair Bear UK, he says, um, the first time I smeared a sidewinder across the windscreen of Mallorca. Bang. <laughs> mm. I must anybody think, is anybody else thinking of the scene in the Titanic? In the car? Uh, no. No, fine. 
Just I think it's you. Me. Yeah, okay, that's cool. That's fine. So, uh, what triggered that memory? Is the word smeared? The word smear, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's cool. Oh, right. windscreen? Yeah, both of those together. Oh, I must admit, I, my mind wouldn't have gone anywhere near that. Uh, Commander Do Don 1R. Um, he says, to finally get my friend to try out the game after a long time nagging him about trying it. And lo and behold, he loves it. That is a good feeling when you recommend it and they come back and go, oh, yeah, that is quite good. Uh, we've got Neil Perry. Uh, he says, a friend got hit hard in an exploration run and only had 6% of Hull left. Travelled 23,000 light years to patch him up. Did not tell him about that nasty-looking cobra heading for him. Was me, and he thought he was going to get blasted until he, <laughs> until what he thought was a missile fixed him up. <laughs> That's good road repair limpets for you. I'd do that for you, Colin. I'd travel 23,000 light years to patch your hull up and get you back to a station as soon as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Does anybody really believe that? Yes, absolutely. I wholeheartedly believe that Shan would get you back to a station more quickly than anybody else. Yeah, I, I, you know, I completely agree with you. He probably would. Almost instantaneously. Instantaneously, yes. I'd take my fleet carrier. I'd take my fleet carrier to help you out, Colin. Nice sham. 2021, nice sham. Oh, I do apologise for this one. The Ascan and Cova News Network, uh, they fondly remember the days when uh, you you could only do 100 light years. Uh, You could navigate only 100 light years, and uh, that was doing a big undertaking in a dolphin. I thought I thought the dolphin, dolphin came, came after. after. Yeah, dolphin came after the hundred light years. I think. Yeah, well, that's weird. <laughs> that is weird. <laughs> uh, narrative escapes uh, the original distant worlds. Uh, Elvis Kremen, uh, having his player faction name the station that they gained from the second colonial initiative after him. That must be quite nice, uh, knowing that there's a station out there somewhere. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Did he name his station Captain Kremen? <laughs> yeah. We've got Commander English Guy Ash. He goes, uh, he says, probably getting the triple elite. He spent four whole days shooting Thargoid scouts to go from deadly to elite. Took me three, three years to get, and I felt filled when I, when I had it. Well, nice. <laughs> <laughs> you took four days. It must have been very, very long four days because that took me nine months. Admittedly, I was only playing for a couple of hours a week, so, you know. <sighs> uh, oh, Commander Wotherspoon. Um, he says, it was probably my first three weeks in my Sidewinder at the end of 3300, trying to plot routes to systems a mind-bogglingly ten light years away, which was two or three jumps, while I saved up for a Class C frameshift drive and an intermediate discovery scanner. I remember those. (laughs) Yeah. Then he bought a hauler. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I do actually miss from uh, from the original version, is that to get to a Cobra was actually quite an achievement. 
Mm, yeah. But, you know, I do understand that everybody wants to get into the content as quickly as what possible. What do you mean, Colin? We, in the original version, we started out with a Cobra and 100 credits. That's why it was a thing. That's why it was a thing, to get your first Cobra, because she got you to where you started off in the original Elite. Oh, yeah, that's why... Yeah. But I don't think that's what Colin meant. No, but... Um, no, because that's one thing that I found actually really exciting, is when I had my second Commander, my yeah. first alt, right? And I had to start from the Sidewinder. And the, the part of going from Sidewinder to Cobra was actually really, really good and reminded me of the original game. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. and, you know, that was that was an interesting one. Um, how about this one? Mads Marshall. My first exit from a station after not playing Elite since 1990. They spent 20 minutes and several deaths trying the said exit because I was too stupid to do any tutorials. <laughs> this is obviously before the docking computer. You guys don't know how lucky you are. Well, the tutorials back then were nothing like the tutorials now. The tutorials back then were YouTube videos and you consider yourself lucky. <laughs> All of a sudden we've turned into the Yorkshireman sketch. <laughs> yes, we have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> My dad would thrash me to sleep with broken bottle. <laughs> uh, you actually start out with a docking computer in your sidewinder now as well. No, do you? Yep. Yeah, you do. If you start oh. out a new game now, you actually you start out. You have a a sidewinder, and you're given a mission to go out and explore the galaxy to get, and it gives you a hundred thousand credits. Yeah, and for and more details. For more details, you can follow the fantastic guide that Lave Radio did uh, over Christmas for the newbie area and how to start off with a, a Sidewinder, if you, if you need to know. Because the, because this, the version of the Sidewinder back then came equipped with Scouse cannons, didn't it? <laughs> so far, we've managed to offend Liverpool. We're offending Yorkshire. <laughs> I think we'll have to go around. Catch offends Junction, does it? I don't think. I don't think it does. We can offend any place you like, listeners. If you want to put a place name up in chat, we will. Exactly. Yeah, we will. We will. We will be offensive to anyone you like, especially Wolverine, who makes the skill of it. We will send Shan to Newcastle next and see how long he lasts. Hey, you could always try sending Jeremy Clarkson to Rotherham. Um, we've got Emil number one, or M. Weeble. Um, he says, mining um, distant <laughs> worlds to void Pardon? Does he wobble but not fall down? I, I guess so. <laughs> You'll have to ask him. He says, mining void opals with Commander Kane uh, and... Lan Nicholas Good at Salome's Reach. Uh, between them, they had one pulse wave scanner, a seismic charge launcher, a brazic blaster and refinery, but not all on the same ship. And they managed to get five tons each sold of Explorer's Anchorage. I must admit, the, the, um, the deep mining when you've got multiple ships is actually quite fun in a wing. Mm. Has anybody, uh, have you tried that, Suv? Yeah, it is, it is pretty good fun. I, I'm noticing that quite a few of these entries are about challenge, about when something was particularly difficult um, and the satisfaction inherent in overcoming that, which is quite interesting. Um, yeah. I wouldn't have expected that. Like, that, that, that does sound actually really, really brilliant, being given a limited tool set and, and, and asked to solve a, 
a, not a particularly sophisticated problem. You know, mining ten tons is not is not a particularly challenging task. But um, but it does sound like that that would actually be really uh, be really good fun. It reminds me of um, when people were uh, were uh, mining ast- uh, meteorites on planets to get the uh, to get the materials that a sidewinder needed to jump out of the system, and the sidewinder was scooping them up with its uh, with its cargo scoop. While when the SRVs had blown up the meteorite, do you remember reading about that? Um, it was years I, ago. I, oh, I can't remember that one. It was somebody the, who somebody who didn't have an SRV but needed to needed re- planetary resources to, to jump out of a system because they'd run out of fuel. Yes, um, yes, that's and, where the rock rats came from. Yeah, precisely that. And it, uh, it just, all yeah. right, got you now. I remember the rock rats. What ever happened to the rock rats? Okay. It, um, they calcified. Oh, I was going to say they're still there, really, aren't they? Talking not, about not needed as much. They fossilized. Talking about uh, wing <laughs> deep core mining in a wing. The best thing about doing deep core mining in a wing is waiting until the ship, the other person's ship, is in the right place, and then suddenly setting your charge to detonate. Shan, remember, you've turned over a new leaf. Nice, Shan. Does not do these things. It's a terrible leaf. I don't know why. Like he's not specified what kind of leaf it is. It's clearly an awful, awful leaf. It's it's basically nettles, isn't it? He's <laughs> <laughs> turned over a new leaf, but that leaf is nettles. Yeah. <laughs> oh come on! You must admit that is that is that would be funny, or well, that is funny seeing that happen. Well, he's turned over a new leaf, which is not only nettles, but covered in green fly. So uh, that's, yeah. that's the only thing I can um, think of. Green no, Stan, that would not be funny. You know, I would be very, very annoyed at you if I'd been mining for several hours and then you to have a core explode in my face. I would not be laughing and I would be pissed off. Oh, but only, um, only in fun. Yeah, no, Ian Nicholas has also said that the long-range mining before the introduction of fleet carriers was fun. So um, that's a long trip. Um, we got Commander Exorcist, who says discovering David Goliath uh, in the Queech CN CZ N C20 15 is hands down his most memorable moment in the game. And he's posted a picture of it, which is basically these fantastic rock formations. Which uh, it's interesting to see. Hopefully, we'll have them in the show notes. But I wonder if they still exist because early on in Horizons, you could get dramatic terrain like that, but they kind of castrated them in such yeah, that's a good places, point. didn't they? <laughs> oh, I do like I do like this one. Um, he's also added. He also got pooped on by a Thargoid in his Type Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, he's at a barnacle site in his Type Seven, and a and the Thargo just comes down and just zaps him. <laughs> ah, right. Um, we've got uh, Mister Crow Twenty. He's attempting the pilgrimage to Jameson's Cobra with his fellow horsemen, uh, which is Commander F ninety nine, I Learning UK, and Age Reaver. It took him near a hundred jumps in a vulture. And he forgot the planetary vehicle. So- <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that that's <laughs> that was bad. Uh, right, we got um, from Facebook. We've got Richard Wilson, who's uh, seeing that the first time uh, the Thargoids attacked 
uh, and saw Titan's daughter on fire and people need saving. Um, that was astounding. I mean, I must admit the the first time when we saw those stations on fire after the Thargoids came after us. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we've got Adrian Paul Mason. Um, again, a pretty popular one. First time they put on the Rift VR headset, play the game. Yep. Yep. The, sh- the sheer scale of the of the inside of the station, it's, it pretty is <laughs> pretty overwhelming. Uh, Philip Atherton, his first exploration elite. <laughs> Woke up hungover one morning, logged in to find myself in an armored beluga uh, about a Kylie towards the core. <laughs> um, what about Psycho Cow, Commander Ventura? Yeah, the previous one was Mr. Crow 20, eh, Mr. Cow 20, not Crow. Was it? (laughs) Colin loves being corrected on his pronunciation. Uh, Well, we've also got John Stabler, actually. He sort of of said the uh, first time he comes across an AI ship with a commander name he recognises, which reminds him how many founders were out there that bought at that Kickstarter level. That's an interesting one. I know that there are several people who have claimed to have killed me that are actually the AI name that I've got out there. Um, yeah, I, I, I periodically get messages saying, hey, I killed your doppelganger. And yeah, it's always... It's, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen myself, uh, but I have had people send me, like, I saw you, your, your doppelganger. Yeah. yeah. Blowing, blowing the NPC versions of you guys up, it's just not as much fun as blowing the real versions up. I'm going to agree with Twitch chat, and it's not actually a nettle leaf. It is, in fact, a poison ivy leaf you've turned over. <laughs> Problem is, it isn't poison ivy. That's only in the States. It doesn't exist in Britain. The thing is, I'm talking about no, events that are in the past. No, no. I was talking, when have I blown up anyone this year? Or griefed anyone, or I don't know. I've not anyone. seen you in game this year, Shan. <laughs> so, therefore, you have that evidence. I have not turned over. Really. <laughs> I have no evidence you did either, though. Because I said yeah, I you didn't. Well, Matt, the fact I've offered the fact I offered to fly twenty-three thousand light years to rescue Colin and send him back to a space station as soon as I can. That is pure demonstration <laughs> of my good nature. <laughs> Yeah, and Steve, you know, Stephen's saying it's Stephen Usher saying it's a special import. They were, they were actually Uh-oh. asking today in the uh, in the chat stream about a a Shan bobblehead, uh, to which I did reply, "You don't want to have a bobblehead that will kill the pilot." <laughs> so uh, Ben Knight, um, he was traveling to the center of the galaxy, having switched from No Man's Sky, and it was amazing to see stars which actually changed around each for each jump that made sense to him yes yes i i completely agree with that the first time doing a very long trip and seeing the galaxy change around you and seeing Mm. the stars change in position around you is very remarkable and it is probably the biggest reason that i don't think another game will be able to replace elite for me because that is it seems like such a little thing and it seems like you know, if you were to look at the Kickstarter 
sort of um, proposals for a gamut of space games, that would seem a pretty unremarkable uh, feature. It is not. It's really, really important and 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 pretty um, uh, and pretty transformative. Actually, being able to being able to travel long distances and actually see the skybox change around you is an amazing feature that Elite has. I'd go along with that, Steve. I mean, I've got a, a time lapse uh, of screenshots I put together, which are called There and Back Again, of my first trip to Beagle Point and back. Mm. So you see, the, you can see the you know the core getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and then turning around and fading back. So yeah, it's brilliant the way that that works. What I did find in doing it though, you have to wait a couple of minutes for everything to render properly. Do you? Is that not yeah. is that not is that not just the, the fact that there's light pollution from the star and you need to get far enough away from the star? No, no. If you're in the middle, let's say you're in the core, um, there's a subtlety of colour that comes after a couple of minutes that isn't there right away. Okay. Okay, so we've got Matt Yollop, which sort of said um, he said he was supplying a trade CG in Open, got interdicted by a known player pirate. He then not only negotiated them down from their initial cargo request, but the, he managed to convince the pirate to escort him all the rest of the way in and even helped out when he was interdicted by a, uh, a ganker. <laughs> Sounds awesome to me. That's brilliant. I, I love that sort of interaction. I love that sort of interaction. And fair, I don't know who it was, but obviously fair dues to the known pilot, pirate for playing along for that because too often. Yeah, there's two interactions. Mm. Uh, um, pirate interactions are really good. I will agree there. Yeah. Um, Michael John Forsyth, um, Beth's memory is one of my exploration trips to take a break from mission running. Uh, and I discovered my first Earth like world. I must admit, finding an Earth like first Earth like world, you find you, you end up spending ages going around it, orbiting it, yeah. just seeing the detail. Uh, we have Daniel Hick Hitchcock, um, first day on release, jumped into a system without enough fuel to get anywhere. <laughs> this is before the fuel rats, uh, and found another player in the same predicament. They chatted via text, and then both agreed to self-destruct together. Oh, nothing, nothing says bonding like a suicide pact. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, the thing is, though, you... I don't know. Would if we're if you if if you and me, Colin or Ben, were in the same situation, and if I said, "Oh, let's self-destruct together," would you trust me to actually self-destruct? No, yeah, I would. I would shoot you first. <laughs> well, that's so nice. That's really camaraderie no, in a radio is amazing. I, I, so <laughs> if we had that situation, none of you would say, "Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll blow up with you, Shan." None of you would take me up on the offer. No, because I think have the opportunity think... because we'd be dead. Because <laughs> no, I don't, I don't carry guns on my exploration ships. A waste oh, of power well. and weight. Okay, I, I'm gonna. God help me. I'm gonna back Shan up here, and you know, I have met Shan out at Beagle Point, and he didn't even try to shoot me, or boop me, or do any harm to me. It was all very nice. And Shan was a very nice Shan. There you go, you see. There you go. Proof, you see. So you lot can just shush. Um, how, how much did he pay you, Ben? Go yeah. on, we need to know how much he paid you. What dirt has he got on you, Ben? 
I'm no, no, honest, no. I'm the one with the dust on him. I've I've got video evidence. Right. Okay. We're going to have to quickly mention Martin Bergen before the end, who said his his deep core mining experience was the most memorable he's had. So yeah, back to deep core mining, especially when the big rock blows. I think that's that's that is a memorable experience. Hmm. Mm. Yes, I just realised what I said, which I'm glad Ben didn't pick up on. <laughs> anyway, um, we're going to quickly touch through the community corner, to be honest, because it's uh, time is getting on. Um, first thing is the Mercury Wings expedition concluded on Sunday with the delivery of the DSSA fleet carrier Shepherd's Dream to the middle of nowhere. Um, specifically, the carrier arrived at... Oh my goodness. Theocoria ZE A small G zero dash brothers and uh and that's all I've got. So um yeah. Brothers and sisters of the void. It's about fifty five odd Kylies from Saul. I do like the whole DSSA concept. I think that's that's immense. It's really it's really great people have done that. Uh, yeah. That's a really, really positive thing. Uh, here's a quick reminder for the first Buckyball race of 3307, the Sidewinder Fuel Finder. It's on all this week. Uh, we'll supply the details in the forum. Uh, the expedition for Evelyn has kicked off uh, today from Ross 310. Um, it's a 52,000 light year journey uh, to Evelyn's Light. Full details will be in the show notes. Uh, the Dark Wheel are pending expansion for the Sol Test site. Um, as soon as they land, they'll begin preparing for LFT 509 while taking over Sol to push the test. And finally, a Lego Sidewinder has appeared on Reddit uh, and it looks a little bit smaller than the DBX, which I think is quite nice. Um, okay, so that, I mean, that covers everything. In, more or less what's happened in the community this week. Ben? I was just thinking, actually, and this is something I was thinking during Frontier's live stream as well. And why is it that every elite commander, myself included, mm-hmm. also seems to love Lego? I don't okay, think... Human. <laughs> you don't think what, sorry? I, I don't think there's anybody that uh, doesn't like Lego in one way or a point. Unless, of course, you just stood in one. Yeah. yeah. Then you don't like Lego. <laughs> right. Has anybody got any other business before I carry on? Well, I was, I, I, I was about to say, you, you know, we talked about Sidewinders with um, Scouse cannons on it. Oh, well, God, no. <laughs> a Lego Sidewinder does prove the point because that's on bricks. Oh, again, to any of our listeners in Liverpool, I do apologise. It's Suverine's fault. Why is it my fault? Because you mispronounced it. I don't think I did. I think I said Gauss cannons. Right. You misheard it, Sham. Oh, dear. Yes, let's let's move away. If anybody else can... um, uh, come up with any alternative <laughs> place names for the guns. Feel free. <laughs> Slobber and blasters. 
Right. Well, if nobody's got any other business, um, I think we'll carry on with the shout-outs. First of all, our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio, it broadcasts on a Thursday at uh, 8.30 GMT. You can tune in at twitch.tv slash Hutton Orbital Truckers or just for the audio at radio.forthemug.com. For the discerning commander that likes a bit of CQC action, you can check out the CQC, CQC Discord at discord.me slash EliteDangerousCQC, all one word. Um, for those of you that like a literary discussion about sci-fi and fantasy books, uh, please subscribe to the Data Slate podcast created by Station Commander Alan Stroud. Um, following on from this, we have the amazing Galnet News Digest as supplied by Commander Wotherspoon with contributions by Commander Beetlejude. Um, we're also giving shout-outs to the following Elite Dangerous podcasts. Uh, so we'll say hello to Loose Screws. We'll say hello to Elite Week. Flight Assist Off, always on a Monday night. Um, we do have the Elite Cast, I think, with the Canon podcast. And, of course, there's the Fatherhood podcast as well. And there's the Guard, um, the Guard Frequency podcast, which also covers other space sims as well. But we don't like talking about them. The other space sims, I mean, not the... Never mind. Um, we do kind of talk about other space week and cyberpunk and Minecraft and many, many other things. Here's the thing about podcasts. Um, yes. as, as we as we revealed a few weeks ago, um, this show is quite popular in New Zealand and other countries. We we tend to sort of focus on English speaking or should I say European podcasts and things. So. If you're in New Zealand or the Lebanon or Turkey or anywhere different than what we've said, if you have a podcast, you you know you, you think, oh, well, they'd quite like to listen to that. Please let us know because this is a worldwide community, not just a UK centric one. So I think I'd be interested to see what else is out there. <laughs> Although, as as, <laughs> as Suvri pointed out, it does seem to be slightly overloaded by Scottish web developers. <laughs> yeah. Commander Unifex is actually saying he's a Kiwi. Yay! And that was an example of Nice Shan being nice just then. <laughs> what, making a vaguely positive noise? <laughs> exactly. No, the, the whole, you know, if you're, I don't know, let's say you speak Israeli and there's an Israeli coming out there that, you know, it's not going to be on our radar. But if, if you do an Israeli podcast about Elite Dangerous, let us know. Yeah. Oh. He's a, he's a Kiwi English speaking web developer. <laughs> That's almost as bad as a Scottish one. <laughs> I've always felt that New Zealand is basically the Scotland of the Southern Hemisphere. Why? <laughs> because basically of the drizzle. <laughs> I know, oh, I know we... Hebrew and Israel. I know that. Nothing. Right. South Island is the is the wet place, isn't it? Yeah, so South Island is basically um, like Scotland. Because isn't that why they call it Wellington? <laughs> no, there's a no, there's a Dunedin down there. But Dunedin. anyway, so we've managed to do Liverpool, we've managed to do Yorkshire, and now we're insulting New Zealand. I think I think who's insulting New Zealand? Well, New Zealand who's is insulting? practically perfect in every way. Yeah, it's, it's it's, in I, thought you, I thought you insulted it by comparing it to Scotland, but never mind. <laughs> Well, I, I was about to say it's the same. Uh, I was about to say it's the same as Scotland because no one wants to go there. But I thought that would be going a bit too far. Right. No okay. End of. End of. Before I mute you all, <laughs> we'd like to thank all those who have chipped in on the Twitch chat and the 
in-game commanders that have buzzed Ben. Have you had many people buzz you, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Has anyone pressed your buzzer? Yes, I've, I've been being I've been being buzzed by Matt Miggles, uh, Paul Archer, and N two's been buzzing me too. So, so what's the question, Ben? Have you been manscaped today? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I have had my balls shaved. Oh, Christ. wow! <laughs> right, that is it. And seriously, that is it for another episode of Live Radio. I'm going to crawl into the corner and die of shame after that. <laughs> if you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email info at laveradio.com. Hit us up at facebook.com slash laveradio. Tweet us at laveradio. Or you can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. I'm feeling sorry for Commander Ventura to have to edit this. I really I really do. Um, we also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat, and you can find that at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Do get in touch if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on in a future episode of the show. Live Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at half past eight and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. So thanks to Shan, thanks to Ben, thanks to Souverine, and special thanks, of course, goes to today's tech specialist, Commander Ventura. But until next time, Commanders, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Scientists, Uranus is full of methane gas. I think you're right, though, Colin. What have you done with Shan, and when can we have him back? Galnet News Digest, 19th of January, 3307. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, all that's left is a greasy stain. 
boots in space for a little longer. A rotting heap of fish. Sidewinder fuel found. Save the space cow. And other news. All that's left is a greasy stain. All traces of Thargoid have been wiped out from both the Colsack and the Witchhead Nebulae. The task was completed on Monday evening and the Thargoids are believed to have returned to the Coal 70 sector to nurse their wounds. Thankfully, they have the same rebuy privileges as Pilots Federation members and they can get replacement scouts and interceptors for just 5% of the cost, so we can be confident that, soon enough, they'll be back. There are still a small number of stations with personnel needing to be evacuated, but from Thursday the focus will be completely on starport repair. Boots in space for a little longer. With the news last week that the Pilots' Federation will be unable to negotiate walking permits for its members until later in the year, the Distant Worlds 3 expedition has been postponed until the last quarter of 3307, as all commanders must be able to land on planets of atmospheres and to walk about for the expedition to be a success. Meanwhile, thoughts are turning to what sort of compensation commanders using the PS and Xbox flight control systems might be entitled to for their walking permits being issued up to six months later than those for PC commanders. PS commanders have never had access to the legendary Cobra Mark IV, widely accepted as one of the most versatile ships in the Falcon de Lacy lineup, and perhaps this would be the right time to push for the ship to be made available to PS pilots. Meanwhile, Xbox commanders are said to be preferring the idea that they could be favoured with a range of pink paint jobs for their ships, possibly featuring Rainbow Dash and other stars of the My Little Pony Holovid series. A rotting heap of fish. Traders delivering supplies to the new Marlinist colonies that were established by the Sirius Corporation have complained about the sudden withdrawal of protection on Sunday after the completion of the bounty hunting task. Bounty hunters apparently reported that the vastly increased bounties they could claim for their work unaccountably also made the bounty hunting itself a lot more fun to do, so they made short work of the task. Traders are less than halfway through the task and are gamely continuing to deliver the supplies, but are beginning to wonder how the Marlinists can possibly need 96 million tonnes of animal meat, fruit and vegetables, grain and fish. Marlinists, meanwhile, have been attempting to sell surplus stocks to the Alliance, but have been having trouble filling in the customs declaration forms, resulting in consignments being turned back at the border, a large pile of rotting herring and an even larger heap of more pungent mackerel was left on Lee Yongri's doorstep by protesting Marlinists yesterday, as part of complaints about his mismanagement of trading arrangements. Sidewinder Fuel Found The Buckyball Racing Club's celebration of the 100,000th rescue by the Fuel Rats has concluded with a big party in Fulham to celebrate the winner, Goose Frabar. A huge golden statue of what spacefaring folk of the 34th century think a goose should look like has been erected in Walheim Vision in his honour. Second and third places went to Shea Blackwood and Bob Dubrovnik, respectively. 
Meanwhile, the fuel rats are only a few hundred rescues short of actually rescuing more than 100,000 commandos, so if any obliging commanders would like to run out of fuel in the fuel system, ideally just outside Walheim Vision, the fuel rats will be forever in their debt. Save the space cow and on the news. In other news, uncertainty surrounds the takeover of Lacon Spaceways by Core Dynamics after allegations of dodgy dealing surfaced. The Hutton Orbital Save the Space Cow campaign is reported to be hopeful that the takeover will not now take place. As the date of the Starship One trial draws closer, President Hudson is understood to be considering the legality of granting himself a preemptive pardon. And registration for advanced postal voting is underway in the Alliance ahead of the February election. Election officials have had to explain that despite appearances, dead people are not registering to vote. They just seem dead because they live in the Alliance. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News. We read the news so you don't have to. Lave Radio, transmitting to every corner of the galaxy. On the far side of the bubble. On the dark side of an airless moon. On the slightly more interesting side of a ravine. There lived the engineer. The engineer can make your lasers more powerful your engines speedier and your gas tank really really big what do you want i want fish wait what that's right fish Carp, char, chub, jack, loach, crabby, monkeybait, prickleback, sole, snook, snake, tang, wahoo, wapagum, banjo, banga, snook, sole, shad, scat, come on by with the long nose cat, noodlefish, nibblefish, northern squaw, hooma, hooma, nuka, nuka, wapa, wapa. What about Swedish fish? Why the hell not? Thanks, mister. You're in the wrong commercial. Well, shit. Fish, because, you know, space. The Lave Radio Project was our last best hope for news. A self-contained podcast two hours long, located in neutral territory. A place of nonsense and innuendo for forum dads, community members, and developers. A shining beacon in space. All alone on a Tuesday night. It was the dawn of the third chapter of Elite. The year Space Links came upon us all. This is the story of the last of the Ladian stations. The year is 3307. The name of the place? Leaf Radio.
Nej, oh.